Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 232 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Just me this week, no Ayaz Sumra, no real need, um, really, because there there is nothing to discuss, to be honest. No review, no preview, of course. Um, I think w- maybe one piece of news, that piece of news, is that Dave Allen has signed a, um, a contract, a promotional contract, with MTK Global. Um, that's probably a good move, you know, when you really think about it. I mean, Dave Allen, like I say... You know, he's he's kind of hit his ceiling, really. Um, you know, he's he's not going to be a world champion. He's not going to be a European champion. British level is, is definitely, I'd say, his ceiling. Not quite sure he can actually win a British title, really. But, you know, being with MTK, I think they've got the kind of... Um, you know the structure in place to to keep him busy, um, to, to to get him out in different arenas all over the country and stuff like that. And you know he can be on these undercards, he can box guys that he's gonna knock over and stuff like that. And that's probably better for him, really. You know, rather than building up to a big big fight and you know spending a few months out of the you know out of the limelight kind of thing, he seems to blow up a little bit in between fights, stuff like that. He needs to be kept active. Um, kept on top of his fitness and all that and you know perhaps build to something after a few good wins you know so MTK I think they've come you know they've possibly come a little bit late but if anything they've they've come and and, and swooped in here and um, they can I suppose revamp his career a little bit not that it's took too much damage you know he's still been involved in some brilliant fights you know knocking out Lucas Brown unbelievable unbelievable Um, so all the best to Dave Allen like I say friend of the show um, but yeah, other than that, you know, there's one other thing I should mention. That is um, that Badu Jack has decided to part ways with his trainer. He's now training under Jonathan Banks. Of course, Jonathan still training Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. So that's an interesting move there for Badu Jack. Um, and like I say, other than that, that is that is pretty much everything. Um, Nothing, nothing else to mention. We're going to bring in, um, uh, you know, a big guest once again. While all these other podcasts seem to be taking time off, you know, no one, n- none of these fighters nearly, really, really want to do any interviews at the minute because they're not quite sure if they're even going to be fighting. So it's hard to nail fighters down, um, you know, that have got that that had fights scheduled and still have fights scheduled, but they're not sure if they're going to end up happening. It's you know it's it's kind of hard to nail those guys down. Um, for example, someone like um, like uh, you know Callum Johnson. I think we, we we interviewed him a few weeks ago, and you know if I hadn't in, have interviewed him then, would I want to interview him now, knowing that his fight, I think, which is May ninth or May second, is probably I'd say eighty percent going to get postponed. You know, so no, I don't think I would. You know, so rather than 
you know, interviewing a fighter that's not even sure if he's going to be fighting. The aim is to try and get former world champions, stuff like that, that, you know, that are not really relevant to, to each week kind of thing, you know. The aim always is to get relevant fighters to that particular week on the show, you know. So, uh, last week we, we had Stuart Hall. This week we have another former world champion, a former heavyweight world champion, Bermain Stavern. I think he will be our 85th world champion on the show. Like I said, this is episode 232. This is our 464th um, guest. Um, and that, that guest will be Bermain Stavern. So I'm going to bring him in now. That's it for all the talking. We're going to bring in Bermain Stavern and then, of course... Um, I'll, I'll just wrap up the show at the very end there um, with with the usual particulars, the, the the goodbyes and and the rest of it. But that's that's about all the talking from me. It's now time to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC heavyweight world champion. It is of course Mr. Bermain Stavern. Bermain, welcome to the show, my man. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. It's a real pleasure having you on, Sir Bermain. A typical opening question, really. Um, where did your boxing journey begin? How old were you when you first put on a pair of gloves? Uh, pretty much late. Late, uh, it was after college, uh, after playing uh, football. Uh, I was uh, 19 years old, I believe. And obviously, you know, you grew up in a in quite a big household, if I'm not mistaken. I know you've got a bunch of siblings, I believe, eight sisters and five brothers, is it? Correct. What was that like growing up? You know, did you, uh, I don't know, did you guys have fights as kids or did you all get along well? <laughs> uh, I did have some fights with uh, my siblings like any other uh, family. But uh, no, uh, most of my uh, fight was probably uh, self-defense at, at school. You know, I would always uh, get picked on or, uh, you know. I got you. So um, I was uh, pretty much bigger than the, 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 I was the youngest, one of the the youngest, but I was pretty much bigger than the the oldest at school. So I was always being tried and picked on. So it caused uh, me to uh, defend myself and, you know. I guess I got a, you know, quite a lot of trouble uh, back then. Okay, and obviously, like like I say, you know, you uh, you, you know, you took up boxing seriously after college. Um, you had around about around about sixty amateur fights, if I'm not mistaken. You beat the likes of Robert Hellenius and our very own David Price in the amateurs. Um, what was your toughest amateur um, fight? Bermain, if you if you can remember back now, my toughest amateur fight. Yeah, what was it like to fight um, David Price, a guy that's so tall? You know. <laughs> um. Well, I had ninety three fights amateur fights. Oh wow, not sixty three. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, David Price. It was my first time, uh, my first year going super heavyweight. Because uh, most of my career at the amateur, I was uh, at 200, and I decided to go, um, you know, super heavyweight with the big boys. Um, it was the first time I fought somebody that was. Uh... Well, I can't say that. I, I mean, he was my first, you know, big international uh, opponent. Uh, was that? 
I fought uh, to get there on the team. I had to beat two tall guys, uh, and the, the both was 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 both of them was big. And when I got to, uh, I think it was Finland. Uh, I fought Elenius uh, first, I believe, and then I um, fought a uh, Billy Pride second. As an amateur, I always liked to fight guys that were they were taller than me. I would always request or, you know, uh, prefer taller guys back then because I, I would always uh, prevail, you know, as an amateur. And obviously, Bermain, you know, you didn't get to the Olympics because you felt you were robbed in the qualifying stage. Tell us about, about that, because it sounded pretty crazy. Am I right in saying you knocked a guy down three times but still somehow lost a decision? <laughs> right. You know, um, don't know how, you know, obviously we, we know it was uh, politics. Um, first, I went to Tijuana, and I went, after that, I went to Brazil, you know, fighting the same guy, uh, knocking him down, you know, both fights in different countries. <laughs> I still didn't make it over there. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, it was a dream that was uh, taken away from me. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it was uh, it was hard at the time because I really, uh, I think any uh, amateur fighter, I mean, the goal is to go to uh the Olympics and get a, a medal. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, the pinnacle really of the amateurs. Um, let's leave the, 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 the amateur career um, in the back, though. You turned pro in, in, in 2005. Your first five fights all ended in KO in the first round. Um, do you remember much about any of those five fights? Perhaps your debut. Um, do you remember it well? Do you remember having any nerves or anything? One thing I remember about my first uh, pro fight, I remember it was extra cold entering. That's all I remember. You know, um, uh, I mean, we I fought. I I think I uh, knocked him uh, knocked him out. But the only thing I remember about this fight was it was very cold. Very cold. Very cold. Um, obviously, from yeah. from July of 2005 right through to April 2007, you boasted a record of 12 and 0 with 12, all 12 coming by a knockout. Then, of course, July of that year, um, you suffer your first loss, a fourth round knockout at the hands of Demetrius King, a guy who at the time had a record of 11 and 15. But talk me through that because I watched it back the other day. A bit of a bad stoppage from the referee, in my opinion, there. I mean, you know, it was, I don't, you know uh, all I know is uh, that Monty Barrett was fighting, fighting at the time, and he fought right before me, and it was a uh, uh, the referee didn't do a good job, and the fighter ended up being hurt. So I don't know what he saw with the fight. Yeah, you know, I, I got I got punched. You know, I got rocked with a little uh, right hand, and you know. As I'm throwing punches back, I he stopped the fight. But I'm thinking, I'm, I think it was more about the previous fight that was there before me. Uh, they didn't want to have any, uh, you know, bad stoppage because the referee should have stopped it earlier. So, um, uh, so perhaps the referee, uh, Monty Barrett. So perhaps the referee was being a Monty little bit Barrett, more cautious. Yeah. 
Yeah, because uh, yeah, he was too cautious. Because Monty Barrett got got really got hurt uh, that fight. Okay. And the referee should have stopped it maybe a few seconds uh, uh, earlier than he stopped it, and I was right next. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what he. I don't know. I don't know what he saw when uh, I got punched. I mean, it, it is boxing. You're supposed to get punched. You know, so I don't know what he saw, but you know, it was a stoppage. So. And I've said many times before that an early loss can kind of even make you or break you in boxing. Would you say that that loss made you, or would you say because the referee stoppage was a bit controversial that it perhaps didn't do either of those things? I mean, if, if I would have, you know, get knocked out, it's knocked out, it's knocked out. You know, I, I was conscious. I wasn't, you know, I didn't hit, you know, with bigger shot. And a shot that hurt me uh, better than the than the the shot that he uh, gave me. So I was pretty mad because you know it wasn't a fight that I was supposed to. And also, if you looked at it at the time, they were always saying how I um, pretty much knocked everybody out in the first two rounds, and I need some rounds. And I actually. You know, Colin Luke. You know, I kind of like. I remember that fight when I dropped him. I could have finished him, so I decided to go a little bit more with more rounds. And you know, I got I got caught. You know, I should have just not listened to anybody and uh, and just finished him pretty much. And talking of early knockouts, three months later, you were back in the ring against Edward Gutierrez. You stopped him in a round. Then you stopped Jimmy Haynes in a round. Then you stopped the undefeated 10-0 Brad Gregory in one round. Then, of course, you stopped Lyle McDowell in a round, a man who held a win over Trevor Burbick. Um, you know, you gathered your next win then over Robert Hawkins on points before getting that that strange majority draw in April 2009 against Charles Davis in Missouri. Um, obviously, Davis didn't have a fantastic record, 17-17 and 17 with a draw at the time. Should that fight have been a draw, Bermain? No, no. I mean, that fight right there, uh, I remember uh, I hurt my hand. My right hand, I hit him in the, on top of the head and in the third round. And, you know, I just went with the flow and continued to fight, to, to fight the fight. But it wasn't a fight that uh, um, I can only do so much with uh, my left hand. So, you know, if I, if I, I'm, I, I know that if, obviously if I had um be able to use my right hand, I, it would have been a different fight. And you bounce back with two knockout wins before boxing for the WBC United States, WBA Feder Latin, and WBC international titles against Kurtz and Manswell. Now, obviously, Manswell had that, that brilliant looking record 20 and 0, 15 KOs, January 29th, 2011, the date. Um, would you say that fight was quite an important win at the time, looking back now? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a, a big win. Uh, also, uh, man's where I was uh, a friend of mine. So, you know, when I got the call to fight him, I, I tried everything in my power to uh, not fight him. To have another uh, another opponent, you know, opponent. 
but it didn't work. So, you know, um, I guess, you know, it was just business. It was nothing personal. And, you know, uh, I just knew that after, after this, you know, our friendship would not be the same. So, and is is the friendship not the same, or are you guys cool nowadays? No, I, I haven't spoken to him ever since. Oh man, that is sad. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, like I say, you took him out in two rounds. That was really the win that your career, I guess, at that stage needed. That gave you that injection to move on. Um, you then boxed Ray Austin for the WBC silver title. By this point, you're moving up the WBC rankings real nicely. A win here would make you mandatory, if I'm not mistaken, for that world title. The champion at the time, the formidable Vitali Klitschko. You got the win. You stopped Ray Austin in 10. Um, however, you didn't get that Klitschko fight, and Vitali Klitschko somehow, I'll never understand how, but somehow he kept the title for another two and a half years without you getting a shot before he vacated. Um, why did that fight never happen, Bermain? Um, I think he was running for, he was supposed to run for president. He was in the politics or, I'm not sure what, what, what it was, but from what, from my understanding is, he wasn't sure if he was going to come back or be in politics. And obviously, you know, that's his that's his life outside of boxing, but you're a guy that's in there fighting for your ranking. Um, that must have been quite a frustrating period for yourself, I'm guessing, all that waiting. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating, but, you know, you cannot be... Uh, I was guaranteed to fight for the title, so that was, that was like, you know, my insurance. But, you know, I was just anxious to, to fight whoever it was for that title. And of course, in this time that Vitali was kind of, you know, half boxing, half running for, for, for mayor, I believe it was, of Kiev. Um, you know, you didn't wait around too much. You wasn't overly active, but you still boxed. You beat the likes of Willie Herring. And then, of course, came the first Chris Ariola fight. The, the fight took place in California on HBO, April 2013. You beat him on points over 12. You dropped him in the third round. Surely that had to have been the biggest win of your career at that time. And also, the toughest fight on paper for you as well going in. Tell us about that one, Bermain. Yeah, the the it was my it was my first twelve round. It was it was, it was the toughest fight. Yeah, I, I could say it was the toughest fight of my career. Uh, going twelve round for the first time, you know, um, and also you know, right before that, I was in training camp for nine months. I remember, so it was a little a little heavy uh, on me psychologically and physically, you know. But, you know, I was happy that it was finally uh, happening, and uh, I uh, prevailed. You certainly did. And um, obviously, after that win over Ariola, you, you were quite inactive for a bit. I think eight months went by. That was when Vitali finally vacated the belt. Chris Ariola had that fight against Seth Mitchell where he absolutely destroyed him in a round. And then, of course, that set up the rematch between yourself and Ariola, the vacant WBC world title on the line. You were coming off 13 months inactivity. Um, but, you know, this time you, you, you TKO him in, 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 in round six. You become the champion of the world. Just describe that feeling, the feeling that, you know, that brought over you, obviously getting the win, becoming world champion, and, of course, the you fight know, itself. The feeling, the feeling was, you know, it was obviously, 
that's why we all, you know, every athlete or every fighter uh, that joins the world champion of uh, their um, um, their discipline, you know. Um, it really hits you probably the next morning when you're alone and you, you, you get up in the morning. But, you know, at, uh, obviously that was the, the greatest moment of my life. Uh, uh, big achievement, um, you know. It was um, quite something. <laughs> it was quite something. It's not. It's, it's not every fighter that that that, that, that gets to, uh, um, you know, experience that 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 moment, you know, or to be called a heavyweight champion. The WBC one as well, as well, you know. Yes, sir. But um. I just I just want to say, Bermain, obviously, you know, the first fight you mentioned, it was a tough fight. You, you say they're probably the toughest of your career. Because Ariola boxed Seth Mitchell and the way he dealt with Seth Mitchell, I remember at the time a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Bermain's been, been quite inactive. This this could be a real tough fight. But like I say, you absolutely destroyed Ariola. Yeah, we, 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 we knew, we, we let him go. Because first of all, I didn't want to, I took. I made the decision not to fight. Uh, I, I really. I said, you know what? If I gotta get hurt, let me get hurt when I fight for the title. Or if anything happened, let it happen when I fight for the title. I didn't want to jeopardize anything. I didn't want to take no chance. And all I said was, you know, we gonna get ready. Uh, if it's if it's a year, let's just I'm not gonna fight for a year, but we gonna get ready for that the whole year. You know, I was really. Um, I was really uh, scared and, you know, I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize that fight. You know, I didn't want to fight somebody and hurt my hand or hurt something, you know, and then the fight had to be postponed. So all I said was, I'm not going to fight until <laughs> I fight for the title, but I will be ready till that fight happens. And Bermain, obviously you talk about it being every, you know, every young boxer's dream to win a world title, but it's more than that, you know, you become the first Haitian-born heavyweight world champion. For those that, you know, perhaps from from the UK or from Europe, that don't really understand the history and the culture of the Haitian people, explain to us what did that mean to the the other Haitians out there, you know, this this was historic. Well, yeah, it's just... It was more, you know, I was more happy for uh, from where where I come from. You know, I really come from nothing. <laughs> uh, to be champion of, you know, and coming from Haiti, uh, what it represent for the country. You know, it was very. Um, I think I, uh, you know, made an impact in the country, and I was very, very happy to, uh, you know, carry the country and. Put it up there because it was it was very it was very hard um, you know coming from there you know and I was given a chance and you know uh, I didn't I didn't disappoint because uh, like I said um, long story short I'm, uh, it's a it's a country that you know um, uh, one out of three. One out of three uh, person that come from the country survives. Wow. Wow. I mean, like I say, 
you know, you made history that night there. Um, you know, it was it was amazing to see you do what you did. Um, in, in in your first defence, you defend against the kind of then unproven Deontay Wilder, thirty two and over, thirty two KOs. Um, talk us through that fight because Deontay boxed very different that night, and actually, I don't think we've seen that Deontay since that night. Um, but just talk us through. It was a tough fight, obviously, and um, you you didn't really get going. Well, that fight. You know, um, I decided to uh, cut the weight a little, um, 11 pounds um, lighter, you know, which I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done. Um, you know, uh, even before the fight, you know, I felt dizzy, you know, the weight was coming off and, you know, I was dehydrated without knowing I was dehydrated. Um, not to make excuses or anything, you know, it was my responsibility to, uh, stay on top of, you know, uh, what I was doing, but, you know, um, I went to the fight, you know, uh, dehydrated, uh, fought through the fight, I fought 12 rounds, you know, um, I do believe it was a fight that if, you know, if I was, if I wasn't, you know, um, that dehydrated, I would uh, probably prevail and win that fight. I remember uh, after the fight, went to the, to the bathroom and started, and went in to uh, use the bathroom, and um, you know, I thought blood was coming out of my uh, urine, and so I told her, I told my my, my manager. And, they rushed me to the hospital, and when I got to the hospital, um, I told them, and I went again and used the bathroom. And when they tested, they said that it wasn't it wasn't blood because I knew I didn't get no I didn't get hit to the body or whatever. So when they came back, they said it was uh, muscle failure caused caused by dehydration. Uh, it was called the rapto something my raptomyelosis or something like that. I can't remember. So that's what I had. Um, you know, uh, should have been more, I should have been more professional, more pay attention and be uh, more um, smart about the decision I took to uh, drop some more weight. You know, but it cost me my title, so. Yeah, uh, you live and you learn, right? For sure. And I remember, I remember picking you to win that fight at the time. But to give Wilder his credit, you know, he showed a great jab that night. He boxed well. Um, he was focused on on the job at hand. He won the fight. I know that you you would have, you know, been going into that fight obviously to win it, of course. But could you take any kind of moral victory away from it? You know, being the only man to to actually go the distance with such a puncher like that. Um, you know, it's, it's after losing to him, of course, what I wanted was a, a rematch, you know, you know, but, you know, Deontay did what he had to do. He came and uh, displayed, um, uh, you know, perfectly displayed. And, you know, um, there's nothing I could, I could say right now, you know, looking back, um, now I could say that, you know, I lost to a champion. He had uh, over over ten defense. You know, he kept the title for 
four or five years. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, he got he did what he had to do uh, that night, and he I guess he was listening and really um, uh, prepared for that fight. And obviously, after the fight, 10 months later, you were back out. You defeated Derek Rossi on points over 10. You're on the canvas yourself, though, in round one. Um, was that a trickier fight than you expected it to be? He's a wily old veteran, I guess. Well, even that knockdown wasn't really a knockdown. It, was, it wasn't a knockdown. It was just there. I, um, you know, as soon as uh, when, when I, uh, I think... Um, I was trying to uh, weave or bob and weave or whatever, and then he was throwing the punch at the same time. Regardless of the punch would have touched me or not, I would have still went down. But the fact that he hit me at the same time, you know, it's like a, a knockdown. But I wasn't hurt or anything like that. It wasn't. It wasn't even a big punch. It was just a touch. And obviously, after that Rossi fight, you didn't box for two years. But in that time, there was obviously supposed to be that fight between yourself and Alexander Povetkin. The fight never happened. Um, just in your words, what exactly happened for that for the whole fight not to happen? You know, it was uh, it was a fight I was really looking forward to. Stylistically, a good clash. If I can say that I was one of the fights that I was ready to fight my whole career, even the two fight with Ariola, it was that fight. I was I was in in the the best shape uh, of my career for that fight, you know. Due to him uh, uh, um, getting uh, caught with uh, Ben Substance, uh, even me, I, I, even me during the French training camp, I um, there's something called uh, like the energy drink here. It's called Five Hour Energy, and uh, I took one in the morning because I knew I was going to spar for twelve rounds. Then I, and then I took one in the morning. Then I knew I was going to run five miles at night. So I took another one, which is legal, but I had too much in my, in, in, in my system. So, you know, they, uh, when Vada came, you know, obviously I, um, you know, um, they tested me. So I was tested positive, not for being substance, just because I had too much of that energy drink in my system. So when I got um, to uh, Russia, he was there for about 10 days. And, um, you know, everything was great. Everything was good. And uh, as soon as I was packing to uh, leave to the, to the arena, uh, they called me back and told me to go back to my room. And they came in my room. And at the same time, I'm getting a call from uh, Mauricio Suleiman and that's who told me that uh, the fight would, would not be. He didn't say not to fight, but he said that the WBC will not sanction the fight. Which means, you know, I uh, pull out because uh, they wasn't going to sanction the fight. So I had to pull out. Yeah, it was it was such a shame. Like I say, you mentioned that. I'm glad you cleared it up. The uh, the reason you know of the foul test was because of this energy drink. Too much of the ingredient. A lot of people didn't know that, so I'm glad you you, you cleared that up. And obviously, Povetkin then um, you know failing a test. I think it was 20 hours or something before before the fight was, was, yeah, was supposed he, to take place. No, not even. It was right before the I, I leave for the arena. Oh, for wow! So I'm fine. Day two, two hours. On the day of the fight, Friday, wow. maybe, uh, wow. 
the uh, it, it was the third fight was happening already, and I was supposed to go to the arena oh my God. after the third fight. So as I'm walking out of the room, that's when I got the, the, the news. Maybe an hour or two before I fight. Wow. Wow, that is incredible. Like I say, it's a shame the fight never ended up taking place again at, uh, at some point because, you know, it would have been a good one. And, um, you know, w- w- the fight never happened. We'll leave it there. But like I say, you were out the ring for two years and two weeks, actually, before jumping right back in then with, with Deontay Wilder. Is it fair to say, Bermain, obviously you mentioned about the, the dehydration in the first fight. The second fight here, is it fair to say you weren't really in the best shape for that? Nah, I can't say that. I cannot say that. I was in shape for that fight. First of all, um, for people that don't know, I was supposed to fight uh, Dublin, Brazil. And uh, Dublin, Brazil, I was in camp already a month before I got um, the name of who of my opponent. After a month, I got the name. It was Dominic Brazil. I accepted it. Now, first of all, they they wanted me to. No, that's after. But they gave me uh, Dominic Brazil, so I'm I'm fighting. But the whole time, um, they wanted me to put to to, to step aside to let uh, Ortiz fight Deontay. So everybody, I see a lot of people speaking to me like I don't want to step aside or whatever. So I didn't say nothing. But uh, I accepted the fight, Dominic Brazil. So I'm in camp for nearly six, seven weeks, getting getting ready for Dominique Brazil. We ready to fight, and maybe ten days or less before the fight, um, Luis Ortiz get caught with banned substance. Now I'm told after seven weeks to get ready for a different fight than Deontay Wilder. They want to put me in with. Uh, they want to put me in with Wilder while I'm getting ready for um, Brazil. So I said I'm I'm not going to do it because I'm going to. First of all, I haven't fought for you know almost twenty twenty two months or twenty three months, and I said I'm not going to jump into a world title fight. You know, and I was basically forced to fight that second fight with Wilder because I. They told me that if I don't fight Wilder the second time, I won't fight Brazil, and I will be sitting on the shelf for another year or two. So I had no choice but but, but to take the second Wilder fight. Obviously, I have no choice because they, 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 they put me against the wall, so I have to fight. So I fought uh, Deontay, you know, second fight. I get in there, you know, Deontay is known for hitting people behind the head. Probably maybe the, the second right hand he threw. He hit me with his fore, forearm behind my head. I could have never, I never, I was never able to recuperate, you know. And that was it. I mean, <laughs> that's just what happened to him too with, 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 with Fury. He, he turned his head and he got hit behind the head and he fell. And he got knocked down. You know, and these are things that happen in boxing. And that's the reason why he was, he was able to take me out because a, he was he was not able to if I didn't if he didn't hit me behind the head 
you know, I, I would have been in there with him and, you know, because even uh, if you look at the first fight with me and Wilder in the third round, he did the same thing. When I fell down with him, we, we both fell down on uh, in the third round, and I was just shot behind the head also. Well, it's just that, you know, at, at the same time he did it, the bell ring, and we both went to our corners. But the second fight, if you look, maybe within the first 30 seconds, you can see him hit me. Like he always does with everybody, you know. Uh, he hits, when he hits, he's wild when he hits. And he hits you not with his glove, but with his forearm, his forearm, his forearm right behind the head. And that's how he got me. There was no other way to get me. And obviously, you know, since that Wilder fight, you've spent 15 months out of the ring before traveling to London and boxing the UK's Joe Joyce again, but main. Um, is this fair to say then? You wasn't in prime, prime, prime shape for this one. Uh, that, that fight, I don't, I don't even, I don't even count that fight as a fight. I don't even talk about it or even acknowledge that fight. That's a fight that I never took or never even went to uh, London. So I don't count this fight to be, uh, I don't acknowledge it. I don't see it on my record. And, but, man, obviously. All I ask for, all, 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 all I ask for is that we, did it, we do it one more time. So you'd like that rematch with Joe Joyce? One more time. Obviously. It's been a year since 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 that Joyce fight. Um, yeah. What what what's kind of going on right now in, in in your life? Obviously, you haven't retired or nothing like that. You're saying you want that fight again. Is that is that the only thing that's on the horizon at the minute, or have you got any other plans? What can you tell us? Yeah, we, we, we actually I, I was scheduled I was scheduled to fight with um, next month. Um, everything everything is ready to go. And then, uh, you know, this nonsense that's uh, terrorizing the world right now, you know, uh, putting everybody on, uh, I think everybody is affected in in this world, whether it's boxing, soccer, or any other person that has a a job or career, you know, everybody's affected right now. So, um, you know, I've been been in the gym for for the past eight months. You know, um, even um, I reached my goal. I dropped. I dropped the weight. You know, um, last I checked, I was I was uh, 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 two forty, two thirty nine. So okay. I was ready to go. I was, I was ready to go, and you know, and then come this nonsense uh, called uh, Corona. <laughs> that's messing up. That's messing everything. Everything up. You know. But I, I was also supposed to. I was. I was supposed to be on on that card. Um, uh, Fury and uh, Deontay. Okay. You know. Okay. And uh, that didn't happen. Uh, the opponent, you know, something happened with the opponent, but it didn't happen. But they were scheduled. Uh, I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be in on April 18th. That one's canceled. Too. I mean, this one's canceled too. So I'm guessing that the, every card around the world will be canceled, or most of them. Yeah. 
so right now everybody's on pause and you know just waiting on uh something to come out and so the world can uh start you know moving again i want to ask you Bermain. obviously you know we've, we've discussed the the deontay wilder uh, uh, losses, you know, we discussed the, the early loss in your career, we discussed the draw. The Joe Joyce fight, obviously, you, it seems a bit taboo. What is it about that? Do you not rate Joe Joyce or were you just disappointed in yourself that night? Like, what is it? What's what's annoying about that loss there? I was disappointed myself. myself. I mean, I think, I don't want to talk bad about the man, you know. Yeah. But, I know that, you know, when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And, I'm, and, and I know when I'm ready to go, I, I could do way, way more and better things than, you know. I don't even know how I got caught up and accepted that that fight and actually went there, you know. I mean, you, you did have moments of success in the fight, by the way. The counters off the ropes and stuff like that. You definitely checked his chin. But anyway, let's let's leave that there. Um I want to ask you, but 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 Maine, Obviously, you mentioned, you know, that the Ariola fight was your toughest fight. Who would you say is the best opponent, though, that you fought overall? Your best opponent would it be Deontay? The best opponent. Best opponent you've ever boxed. I mean, uh, you know, I think I fought the two best guys that was there at the time, which was just Ariola, and and. Right after that, I fought Deontay in another 12 rounds. So I had 24 rounds with, you know, two of the best fighters. One of them was world champion, you know, was was, was uh, world champion for the past, ever since he uh, uh, defeated me. You know, um, I would say uh, I, I would, I'll go with, I could say... Maybe like the first Wilder and the first Ariola was, you know, they probably head to head. Okay. These are the only twelve rounds. These are the only two twelve rounds I I had in my career. Okay, and I was going to ask who who the toughest or the biggest, the hardest puncher was. It's obviously got to be Deontay, right? <laughs> I was surprised. Um, I got hurt more with. Ariola that I got hurt with Deontay. Wow. I didn't expect that. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. The first the first fight it, it, it took everything in me. Because I, I got you know, we trade punches. And um Deontay is a is a different puncher. It's um Ariola will punch you and it would hurt and it would hurt for two, three rounds. Deontay is is like a flash. Deontay will hit you, drop you, you'll get up, but you you won't feel it. It's just a it's a flash. It's you know it's not a it's not a punched out that is gonna last for a couple of rounds. You know. So two two but, different types of power, really. Those two. Yeah. Yeah. Ariola will punch you, and it will hurt. If he punch you in the first round, you'll feel it in the sixth round, seventh round. And, you know, Deontay will punch you. He'll drop you, but you'll get up, or you'll be busy, or but then after a while it'll go away, you know. Yeah, I've got you. But it's not a, it's it's Deontay's more of a flash. He'll drop you about about twenty times, you know. Ariola won't won't drop you twenty times, but he will hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Bermain. It's a different kind of power. It's a different kind of power. Yeah, yeah. And Bermain, obviously, you know, we we all thought collectively, um, you know, that the the top two guys were Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Obviously, since then, Joshua losing to Ruiz, but then regaining the belt. Um, You know, Deontay losing now to Tyson Fury. In your opinion, who is the best heavyweight out of those three or four guys I've mentioned there? Who's Who's the king? Tyson Fury. Yeah. Tyson Fury, no doubt. Yeah. Popular opinion, people are going to like to hear you say that over here. <laughs> Bermain, I want to ask you as well, I remember a video circling where it just kind of spiralled out of control a little bit in the gym with Big Baby Miller. Are you guys cool now? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had any, you know, I've seen the video, there's, it's not even, it's not even the full video, they just put pieces in there, but I mean, no, I don't have any, anything, uh, um, you know, against him or whatever. It, it was what it was at the time, whatever happened, you know. But it's not, uh, I don't have any grudge or anything like that uh, towards the man, you know. Uh, whatever happened was at the time. And, you know, to me it's done. Okay. It's done, it's been done. And, you know, there's, there's no, on my end, there's no grudge, there's no problem. Okay, and coming down to the last couple of questions, really, Bermain, um, you must have sparred some some big names over the years. Um, who are some of the names that you've perhaps sparred that not everyone would know about? Well, I sparred uh, even when I had maybe three, four fights. At the time, I was sparring uh, Sam Peter, which was world champion. He was world champion. Uh, I sparred a lot. I sparred, uh, oof. back in the day, uh, I remember sparring uh, Duncan Bonkarori. I remember sparring uh, Oleg Maskayev. He was, I sparred uh, Lennox. Um, some of the new guys um, uh, who I sparred. Uh, obviously, uh, Joe Joyce, I spy him. I spy a couple other guys. There was from uh, Russia or uh, Ukraine, but I forgot. I forgot their name. That's okay. One of them is one of them is it was cruiserweight and not heavyweight. You sick? Um, I forgot the name, but he's yeah, yeah. he's uh, undefeated right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, Alexander Usyk. I, I, I uh, spy quite. You know. A lot of different uh, guys. Okay, and and like I say, um, really coming down to to, to to the last couple of questions. But man, I like to ask this question to everyone that I speak to from overseas. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. Um, people want to hear this though. Who's your favorite fighter from the UK? It can be a guy that's still boxing now. It can be a guy that retired seventy years ago, if you like. Any era, favorite UK fighter. Who springs to mind, but man? My favorite UK fighter, UK fighter. You're gonna say Lennox. Um, <laughs> Lennox was also Canadian. <laughs> yeah, but you know we claim him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, oh, I always like uh, Fury. Yeah. Even even before even before that, I always like. Like him has uh, this 
big, huge giant that that fights like a like a, a middleweight or or, or, or lightweight. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's quite something. So I always said that. So I'll go with Tyson. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Okay, and just finally, Bermain, I want to just. Um you know, kind of throw the microphone over to you if you like, if you've got any closing words at all, perhaps if there's something I haven't asked you, or just anything you want to say before we let you go and also, if you've got any message to to, to your supporters over here in the UK, I'm sure you've had tons of support from UK boxing fans real boxing fans over here Um, yeah, if you've got any message oh yeah the the UK, first of all the, the, the message I get on uh, social media, they most of them are from the UK. You know, it's uh, I always loved the UK. I always, uh, even as an amateur, I fought a lot of times in the UK, and it's just I feel like it's it's just the the the, the energy of those people out there is just crazy. You know, it's uh, they support the sport, they support the fighter. You know, um, I would I would. You know, uh, love to uh, come a few times before I, I retire, because uh, retirement is pretty soon. So, um, I would love to uh, come and uh, fight in the UK a couple times. We'd love to have you, but man, listen, it has been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend, and going over your entire career. I want to thank you for your time, and of course, I wish you nothing but the best for the future, my friend. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay, and this wraps up episode 232 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coatsman. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's show, the former WBC heavyweight world champion, Bermain Stavern. Like I say, um, nothing else to mention at all. I will absolutely try my best to deliver another world champion, a former world champion, on next week's show. But um, like I say, it's very hard at the minute to nail anyone down. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely try my very best for you all. Um, but that is about everything, guys. So uh, like I say, once again, thank you for listening. We've tried to give you something to listen every week throughout this this very tough time globally for everyone. Um, like I say, enjoy it. Well, try to enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we shall see you all again next week. Thank you. <laughs>